Good evening, church. It's a privilege to share this platform today with you all. Give thanks to the leadership of this church for this opportunity that I can stand and proclaim the gospel of our Lord and that we can together look into his word. But also, admittedly, give glory to God for giving us life and even good weather that we can come here and experience his grace together. So this evening, our text is going to come from Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. I believe on the few Bibles on page 975, 975. We are continuing in our series of the fruit of the Spirit, and this evening you are going to look at the fruit of love, the fruit of love. Before we read the word, would you join me in prayer as we draw near to God? Let's pray. God, eternal, the one who was, the one who is, the one who will be forever. You have known us before the foundations of the earth. You have created us in your image and you have pursued us in your love even though we rebelled against you. You have shown us love from the first day the world existed. Even now we know you have shown us even before the world came into being. Today, as we look into your word, we ask you, Lord, may you glorify your word by your own power. And as I speak, Lord, may you glorify your word even more. And as as I speak, I may speak only that which is from you, and not from my thoughts, but also may you be with us as we listen to your word that we may get that which your spirit wants us to hear. May you bless our time and may your grace be upon us this evening. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Amen? Paul has listed a number of things that are a result of yielding to the flesh. And he talks a little bit about that. And I think it was Evan Cruz, he had the same one on that one, and he talks about the works of the flesh. Now Paul, he shifts a little bit, and he starts to explain the results or the product of yielding to the Spirit. You notice that he uses the metaphor of the fruit, and he does this to illustrate the idea that the Holy Spirit produces character qualities in the lives of the believer that are visible and tangible. Just as the fruit is visible and tangible for all to see, similarly, the fruit of the Spirit is visible and tangible for other people. But also, he wants to emphasize that the fruit of the Spirit is gradual. When someone plants a fruit tree, 
You do not expect that you plant in the morning and in the evening, you start harvesting the fruit, whether it's peach or oranges. It takes a little bit of time. And so it takes time as well to develop the fruit of the Spirit in the life of a believer. But also, he wants us to know that the fruit is meant for the nourishment of other people. It is not meant for the tree itself. You cannot expect the stem to partake of the fruit or the leaves. They do not partake of the fruit itself, but it is for the nourishment of others. And so, the fruit of the Spirit, it is not for our benefit, for not, not for our personal benefit, primarily, but also for the nourishment of other people as we reflect the character of Christ. So you see in Galatians, he's talking a little bit of some warnings here. He warns regarding the works of the flesh. He says they can destroy the liberty we enjoy in Christ. He says this in, in Galatians 5, verses 13 to 15. They can, they can prevent us from following the Spirit and doing the things we wish. Galatians 5, verse 16 to 17. And he also says they keep us. They can keep us from inheriting the kingdom of God. That is in 5, verse 21. But then, he also wrote concerning those that are led by the Spirit. He says they are not under the law. That is in particular the law of Moses. That is uh, Galatians 5, 18. He also says they produce fruit against which there is no law. That is, there is no condemnation. And he talks that in Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23, which is also our text this evening. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, it shows us that love is the greatest virtue. And here it appears on the first of this list of the fruit of the Spirit. John Calvin said, Love, being the chief of all fruits of the Spirit, ought to be carefully cultivated. For joy, peace, and patience, and the rest of the fruits all spring from love. Whoever, therefore, is not devoted to the exercise of love and does not aim at it, neglects, as it were, the pursuit of all other virtues. No language can express how highly we ought to value the grace and gift of love, which the Holy Spirit so abundantly pours out on us, so that we may truly be the sons of God with whom he himself is love. In Greek, there's four ways in which they try to describe love. They would use the word eros, that would talk about passionate love. Uh, that is a desire for longing between two different people of the opposite sex. And then they would talk also about philia, or others they would like to say phileo, or Philadelphia. There's a Philadelphia here in the USA. Philadelphia, somewhere there. But it would mean Friendship, that affectionate love that you'd find in a family or between friends. Uh, maybe some of you, you have common friends, I see you hang together. There's that filial kind of love between the two or a group of you. And then they'll talk about stoge. This is a natural affection like that found between a parent and a child. As you are lifting that child, as you are nursing that child, they would describe that, ah, that's a stoge. But then, they would also use the word agape. Now, this one, they would describe that love which is unconditional, 
unselfish, sacrificial, that is just so giving. And when they see that, they would say, that's agape. So Paul, when describing this love here, when he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, the word that he uses, he uses the word agape. And this is the love which our Father in Heaven showed us when Christ, his own Son, bared our sin on the cross. John 3.16 talks much about that. You see, God doesn't expect to give love and then to expect that he receives it. Whether we give him back or not, he just gives that. That is the agape love that the Apostle Paul here is trying to communicate. We love because he first loved us. 1 John 4.19 And once we understand love, we are commanded now to emulate it. Now, we have read Galatians there, but I will run back and forth also to Romans 5, verse 5, which will be running back and forth tonight. It reads, God has poured out, eh? God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Spirit whom he has given us. See here. All right. Uh, I was not getting the signal. <laughs> I thought they were talking about my tie, maybe. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, anyway, we will continue there. Uh, see, we're saying that love is not just a human virtue. It is a divine gift. It is, our, it is the consequence of our coming to faith in Jesus. Love is the transformative power that can change our hearts and desires. While anyone can be able to demonstrate love in the world, the fruit of the Spirit as described in this passage is distinct from that kind of human love. The fruit of love that is produced by the Spirit is that agape love, that sacrificial love that is not dependent on your emotion or your feeling, but it is moved by the Spirit. It moves your act, it moves your will, and then you love sacrificially. As we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to work in our life, He produces and cultivates this fruit of love. You should notice it is not something that we can create ourselves or produce by our own strength, but it is given by the Spirit. The kind of love that is possible for unbelievers, it is that natural human form, which is largely based on human motives, human emotions, and not driven by the divine nature or the spiritual nature coming from inside of them. The focus of true religion, the main question of true religion is this, where is your heart? Where is your heart? And according to Romans 8, verse 5 to 8, apart from the Holy Spirit, humans have a nature that is inclined towards sinful desires, and those sinful desires cannot please God. They cannot please God. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit as we yield ourselves to him and seek to be transformed by him. Now, unbelievers, 
they can express certain kind of love. We can see, but it is because they bear the image, and so they have that a little bit in them. But it is not possible for them to bear the fruit of the Spirit because they have not yielded, they have not given their life, they, are, they do not have faith in Christ. So their kind of love it does not come from the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 tells us that the natural man, an unbeliever who is not spiritually discerned, cannot understand the spirit, cannot understand the things of the spirit because they are spiritually discerned. The spirit gives us access to the divine nature of God and enables us to live a life according to his ways and then to bear his fruit. True agape love, this love that Paul is talking about, it is selfless, it is sacrificial, it is unconditional. It is the love which Christ demonstrated on the cross. As we grow in love, we become more and more like Christ because we begin to reflect the character of Christ and our life testifies. Now, through love, that practical love, that agape love, we are conformed more and more daily to his image. We are created in God's image, but our actions have to be conformed, have to be transformed, and God works in our hearts first so that we are transformed into the image of Christ. See, when this transformation is taking place, when this power is happening in our life by the fruit of the love produced by the Spirit, our character changes as well. Our in, in, inner nature, our inner man changes. One person said, you, if you try to change your outward appearance, but without changing your inward appearance, that is something that is going to end you into frustration. It is something today you can see very common maybe here. We don't have this in Malawi, but here in the US, is, I think it's common. What is called uh, plastic surgery. So people change their face or something. They look young than there. But inwardly, there's no transformation there. So you can try to change your outward appearances, but if the spirit has not worked inside of you, there is always frustration at the end because it is only a plastic transformation that is happening in your life. It is not genuine. It is not real. And ultimately, it will fail. And then one person said, we are not saved by fruit. We are saved by faith, but not by fruitless faith. So when we grow in Christ, our growth of, faith, of fruitfulness is evidence of the work of Christ in our life. I used to work in an organization where we did a, little, a lot of uh, activities with farmers. We did so many things, sports, education, irrigation, solar, a number of things. But one of the things we did with the farmers was uh, grafting of the fruit trees. So we would take maybe a lemon uh, plant and then we take that with an orange and then try to graft together and just produce something amazing. But also, so many different kinds. We, we did like experiment all these things. But then other times we would take a desirable character of the same fruit, maybe an orange fruit, and then graft it with another orange fruit that is also desirable so that we eliminate the one that is weaker and then we produce a better crop. That's what 
we used to do. And it was enjoyable to see the outcome of this. But you see, when the Holy Spirit comes and works in your life, he does not take a part of you that is good. <laughs> he does not take a love that you have. Maybe somebody has said to you that you are so much loving. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit does not take that desirable character you have and then brings his own desirable character to produce his fruit. No, no, no. He uproots it all out. Whatever you have, he takes it all away. And then he plants a new seed in you, a new fruit in you that grows and glorifies God. Because your good love, your maximum good is still sinful, is still drawn to the world. And so when the Spirit transforms you, you begin to reflect the character of Christ. When you love, you truly, truly love because you do not expect to get back, but you are giving because you have been given. As we read in First John there, that we love because he first loved us. One of the things I did not like when I was young was going to the doctor's office was to get the injection. It was so painful. And you see, it's just a little bit of an injection, a small pill there in the fluid, but it heals the whole body. The fruit of the spirit does not come as an injection. It is not a small injection into your, into your body. It is a whole new outpouring. Our, our passage in Romans 5 verse 5, they say, God has poured out, eh? he has poured out his love into our hearts, which he has given us by the Holy Spirit. So it is not an injection. It is not a grafting, but it is a whole total transformation that the spirit works in your life. If you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit will produce this fruit in you. If you are not in Christ, you will have the idea of love. You will know what love looks like. You will have an idea, but it does not come from God. And it will ultimately lead to destruction. The call is to first turn to Christ. Because this love is supernatural. Children, listen. Some of you are young here. This love is not hereditary. You cannot inherit it from your good and loving parents. You cannot inherit it from your good and loving grandparents. It is not self-generated either. You cannot generate it within yourself, but also for the intellectuals. You cannot achieve this by taking a course anywhere. It is only given by the Spirit. And so we are dependent because the Spirit truly changes our hearts. It does not come from any one of us. You see, the fruit of love transforms the heart of the individual. He works in your life personally, not only corporately as a body that we must express love as a body, but he works individually. Where you are seated there, just one person, whether you are related or not, but the spirit works individually. It is pointed. You see, that's why sometimes you can have the whole family coming together to church, even not just once, maybe a number of years even, but you display different character traits in your life as you grow, because the spirit is working individually in each and every person's life. He wants us to grow corporately, but he works to the individual. And so the core here is to examine ourselves, is to examine yourself. Is your life being transformed 
Is your heart being transformed? Can you see the differences when you look back a few years back in your Christian life? Can you see that today your love has grown than the way you loved yesterday? Or is it at the same? Or is it drawing backwards? The call for you is to see that the fruit of the spirit of love transforms your heart. But not only that, the fruit also transforms our relationships. Love has the power to transform our relationship with others. It stems out from the relationship with God first. The question that First John, uh, John asks in First John 4.20, he says, how can you love God? How can you love God whom you have not seen? And yet you love, and yet you cannot love man, fellow man whom you see. You claim, God, I love you. You do not see God physically, but you see your fellow man physically. And then he asks, how can you say you love God whom you cannot see, but you do not love fellow human being whom you can see. You see, this love, it works in testifying to our relationship with Christ. Jesus said in John 13, verse 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Our love for each other is a powerful witness to the world out there. Uh, our powerful witness of our relationship with Christ. When we love one another, sacrificially, unconditionally. We bear the testimony to the love of Christ and his work in our lives. This agape love has got the power to transform us internally and externally, internally in our hearts and externally in relation to our uh, friends and relatives as we meet them elsewhere in the world. It is not just the plastic one that I described earlier, but this is both internal and external. You see, because it teaches us to view people the way Christ views them. The love of Christ sees sinners as those in need of his grace and mercy and care and in need of redemption, and therefore he shows them mercy. Christ's love sees believers as his own brothers and sisters, and so he brings them closer to his inner workings, giving them the privileges he shares as the Son of God. And all who have been adopted into the family of God, all of them, all of you who are in the family of God, he teaches you to be exemplary according to how he loves his people. But this kind of love teaches us to put others first, not myself first. It is not a me first. It is others first, you first, and also to serve them with humility. You see, the Spirit grows a love in us that is heavenward. He does not grow a love in us that is earthly, so that we begin to love the things of the earth. No, no, no. He does not grow a love in us so that we begin to cling and to hold on to the blessings which he has given us. Rather, he grows our affections heavenward because he says, no eye has seen. No ear has heard, neither has any mind conceived what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. Wholehearted. Eh? Just imagine that. 
There's, we have not seen, we have not even imagined what God has prepared. So the love that the Spirit produces, he cannot produce that you should love the things that you can see, that you can hear about, that you can imagine. That is earthly. But the Spirit, in his love, he produces that love that points to heavenward, so that all the things that are earthly, you do not cling onto them. You do not hold onto them as your priority. But in turn, you aim at giving more. You aim at sharing more. You aim at caring more and loving more. Because the mindset that you have is heavenward. And as you do that, you become an effective witness to the world. You become an effective witness and the relationships around you, they also begin to be transformed. Because you begin to have compassion on others. And they will see that this person, this kind of love that he is presenting, it is unique. It does not come from him or her. Paul's teaching on agape love in 1 Corinthians 13, it demonstrates that love is selfless, love is patient, love is kind, and bears all things. True love is not based on personal feelings or personal gain, but on commitment to care and save others truthfully. If you say you have love, and all that it does is draw everyone and everything else to yourself, maybe you need God's mercy to show you what true love is, so that you can actually bear the fruit of love. But you see also, we need to point this out, that sometimes you may not see that the fruit of love is growing in you. Children, sometimes, they do not see that they are growing. But uh, a long-distant grandparent or an uncle comes into their home and they say, Oh, Robert, you have grown. And Robert immediately says, surprised. Oh, have I? Now he realizes that he's actually growing. But we can see, but they do not see. Sometimes, too, in the lives of the believer, you might be growing, but because of other things you may not see. And also, you may actually think that you are growing in love, and yet you are not. For those of you who are married, you can just ask your spouse. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you call each other, honey, dear, or uh, maybe you call each other the first name, or maybe you have an acronym, something like that. <laughs> just ask your spouse, am I growing in love? Uh, they will tell you, but just be prepared. Eh? Be, be ready that uh, what they say, you, you'll be able to take it. But they will tell you whether you are growing in love or not, because the relationships around you are transformed by the fruit of love. It is not just within you. This love, it breaks down barriers. It brings unity. It forgives without an apology. It does not say, I will forgive you if you say sorry. I will forgive you if you support my favorite team. I will forgive you if you become one of my own political party uh, members. I will forgive you if you move to Malawi. No, as I was say. <laughs> but love is a foundation of healthy and fulfilling relationships. Someone said, one of my mentors, he said, our final apologetic is our transformed lives and relationships, our final defense of the Christian faith. 
is how transformed lives and relationships. Oh, but how we long for that day. The day in which there is no hatred over one another. No brother and sister hates brother and sister. When all shall become one and bear the sin of selfishness no more. When true love shall reign and all relationships will be genuine and real. We long for that day and we cry. We sing that song, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Dear believer today, brother and sister, is your love transforming the relationships around you? In your home, in your place of business, in your workplace? What about fellow believers? Can they truly say that yes, the love of God flows from within your life? That's what the fruit of love does in our lives, day by day. We grow day by day. There is no staff member in the kingdom of God. You do not get a badge that now I have attained. But day by day, you keep on growing. You keep on relying on the Holy Spirit, and it transforms you. Because when the Holy Spirit is in your life, you cannot be the same. You will never be the same. When you come to church, you will never be the same. Either you draw closer to God, or you're stubborn and you draw a little bit away. But the call is to yield. Because Christ laid down his life for his friends. He hung on the cross in the utmost living deed of love. He died for those who saw no need of redemption. He died for those who were waiting for the Savior as well. And as he hung on the cross, he had you and, my, and, and I in his mind. When he said, my God, my God, why, has, how, why have you forsaken me? He had you and I immersed in his love. That was the utmost deed of love that we can, uh, we can look back to. He loved prodigally, lavishly, giving out his all. He did not love in part, for his death and sacrifice had to be complete and perfect. He did not love grudgingly, because his sacrifice had to be without blemish as well. He cried out on the cross and said, Tetelestai, it is finished. No more alienation from God, no more separation, but love manifests. And on the third day, this is the blessing in Christian life, on the third day, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He did not just rise, but he rose triumphantly. And when he rose, sin is defeated, death is defeated, there's no more hatred. But love poured out. Love poured out in Christ. And you see, out of the grave comes the heart of Jesus, the holiness of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus, and again, the love, the agape love of Jesus. And so today, that love, God has poured it into your life. As Romans 5 verse 5 is saying there, he has poured that into the lives, into our hearts, for those of us who believe in Christ. That love which Christ lived is poured out. So if you are in Christ, how then can you not love? How then can you hate another person? How then can you not forgive? Eh? The core is the same. Just as Moses, one of the best passages, uh, one of the 
my favorite passages, all the passages are best, should be careful there. <laughs> but it says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that everyone, everyone who looks to Christ in faith and believe in him will be saved. The call for you as well today, dear friend, is to look unto Christ. Are you in Christ, but you are struggling to love? Look unto Christ. He is your first love. Are you not in Christ today? You struggle to define love, even in our time when there's so many definitions of what love truly is. The call is the same. Look unto Christ, and you will be shown what true life is. That love which streams, flows out of you like streams of living water and goes unto other people. That's the beauty of the gospel. And finally, this evening, love transforms our communities. See, love is a powerful force that can transform our communities. Our love as believers, it is not for the benefit of only the believing folk, but also for the world out there. The love that we show to other people is a powerful tool that can bring unbelievers unto Christ. When unbelievers see the love that we have for one another, they see a reflection of Christ's love and it can be a powerful witness to them. In John 17, 23, Jesus prayed for his disciples, saying, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. As we demonstrate love and unity, we bear witness to the world that we follow Christ and we reflect his character. We reflect his nature. Additionally, in Matthew 5, verse 16, Jesus says, Let your light shine before others that they may see the good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We sing that song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. And here Christ says, let it shine before others. That means they may see the good deeds. Not to say this one has love. No, no, no. But to glorify God. To glorify God in heaven. That's where true love leads unbelievers to. See, through love, we can make a transforming impact in the world around us. It demonstrates the power of the gospel. When we love others as Christ loves us, we demonstrate the transforming power of the gospel, that it actually changes our hearts. It changes our relationships, and so it can also change the communities that is around us. Because this love, remember, it is not given as an injection, it is not given like a grafting that the Holy Spirit takes a desirable character of you. No, no. It is poured out by Christ. Your love taken away everything you know about yourself, but being implanted with a new seed that the Holy Spirit gives in you. He brings birth to this fruit of love in your life. You see, there's a, one person who said, God loves himself. God loves himself. I know you asked, you say, what? <laughs> what are you saying? But it's actually true. 
God loves himself, but this is not a selfish love. You can say, I love myself. The Holy Trinity, I, me, myself, and I. No, not that one. This is a love which existed in God, in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is a love which existed before the foundations of the earth, before everything came into being. There was perfect love that existed in the Godhead. That love that God loves within the Godhead, himself. That love which was shown in the incarnate Son at the baptism of Jesus and in the wilderness, at the transfiguration, in the cross, in the resurrection, in the time of the apostles, through the Holy Spirit, even in our time here, that already existed before the foundation of the world. He did not need to create man to show his love. There was no need. He did not need that. But he created man anyway, out of his agape love, out of his sacrificial love. And that cost him his son. For those of you who are parents here, I don't know if you can give your son <laughs> to be given to other people for a sacrifice. Eh? But you know, not even the people that you love, but the enemies, your enemies. That's what costs God here because of his immense great love. You see, that's the outpouring of love. That's the love that God has poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit and it transforms the entire community. He that loves is born of God, John says. It is by love that we receive and that we do all things that God commands. This love we show it to men, but we also show it to the Lord. It is by love that we manifest what an impact God has made in our life. It is also by love that we show that we are the Lord's disciples, in deed and in truth. If I can have all faith, if I can have all kinds of faith to command, there's a great lakes here in Michigan, if I can command all the great lakes to move to Malawi so that you can all come there and, and, and visit the upper peninsula, <laughs> If I can have all faith to command Mount Rushmore to go and plant itself in Malawi, in Blanta, so that you can trust, come and visit there. If I can have all kinds of faith even to just move all of you. But I do not have love. If I have all that faith but do not have love, Paul says it is absolutely nothing. Eh? My former coach used to say it is zero children. Zero times zero is equal to what? Zero out of 10. He used to say that. So if I have all this faith, I can do all kinds of things, but then I do not have love. It is absolutely nothing. The Holy Spirit uses the means in producing this fruit in our lives. The neglect of the, of the means impacts our fruitlessness, and it does so in the community around you. You see, it uses the means. The means are always there. It's like the electricity is always flowing, but you must turn on the, the iron in order to iron your clothes. You must turn on the toaster. So it is with the means that the Holy Spirit uses. You have to grow in this. You have to meditate on the word every day. You have to think of what does the Bible say? You have to think of how do I apply this in my life? That's using the means that God is, coming, uh, is bringing into your life regularly. Examining yourself, 
examining yourself, knowing also that you have a limit uh, in your own examination because you have a limited capacity. And so you are dependent in God. But every time you want to be in the presence of God, you want to be in the relationship with God because your life is so manifest, is so great in his presence. And also because your mindset is towards heaven, but not earthly. And that is what the Spirit does in our lives. The question is not, am I able to articulate the gospel systematically well? Am I able to communicate the gospel well? But the question is, does my life make other people want to believe the gospel? That's how a community is transformed. It is a means. In closing here, I'll just say, it is all this is coming because of your identity that you have in Christ right now. Paul has said, you were once in these things, that is the works of the flesh. You were once in these things. Now he says, take them off, take them away. And then he says, put this on. And you see, overall, all everything that we put, he describes that love binds everything in unity. Everything in unity. Brethren, this is not an exhortation, as uh, Alistair Begg said, this is not an exhortation to say, pull up our socks, pull up your socks and love more, go out and love more. This is not what this is about. Rather, this is a reminder of the work that the Holy Spirit is working to produce in your life. And there is a difference in knowing about love, in having an idea about love, but in living that love experientially, having the Spirit's love boiling from within you, that is the work of the Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit produces the fruit in you, it, it will transform your heart, it will transform your relationships, it will transform the communities around you, and it will move you to love extravagantly, it will move you to love sacrificially, and also to love unregrettably, but to the glory of God alone. Amen? You join me in prayer. Father, you have created us in your image, which is in your love, in your care, and even though we rebelled against you, you continue to love us and you continue to show us. But also, there is so much that we do not see that you have prepared for us. And that is your immense love, that despite all our weaknesses, your love still transforms. Your love still works. And the fruit of love is produced by the Spirit, our Lord, we pray. May you help us to see that you are giving it birth in our hearts so that we can live it experientially and lives around us can be transformed. May your name be glorified in this day. May your name be glorified in this church. May your name be glorified in the Michigan area, but also in the world at large, O Lord, to the glory of your name. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.